You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Acts chapter 2 in your Bibles. And uh, I'm not planning, I, I used to say I won't keep you long, but sometimes that didn't always work out. So I'll just say I'm not planning to keep you long. I'm planning to let you go. Uh, how many of you got a nap this afternoon? Anybody get a nap? Oh, a few of you did. All right. How many of you didn't get a nap, but you got a lot of sugar to keep you awake? Let me see. Anybody like that? <laughs> All of the children uh, probably did. All those Easter eggs. I went into uh, Micah's room right before church tonight, and I could not figure out what was in his hands, plural, both hands, both hands, and his mouth. And his hands and his mouth were all full of something. And I was trying to figure out what it was. And he had one of those Easter bunnies. It was probably at least that big, maybe a little taller, about like that. And he decided that, you know, why waste multiple bites? Why not just get it in one? And I'm telling you what, I thank the Lord he didn't choke on it. But he got that whole thing down. So those uh, nursery workers tonight, pray for them especially. But... Um, uh, Acts chapter 2 in your Bibles, I, I was studying, that's a good thing for a pastor to do, and uh, I hope you're not surprised by that. Some of you are thinking, well, pastor, we didn't even know you studied because not much of what you say makes sense, but I'm going to try to make sense tonight. I was studying what I would, thought I would preach this morning, but the more I got into it and the more, uh, more scripture I began to study, I thought, I don't think this is going to work for this morning. For a couple reasons. One, we had a lot of visitors this morning. And uh, secondly, did you notice this morning, I did not preach long. How many of you noticed that? All right. Thank you. About a third of you noticed that. How many of you thought it seemed just as long as every other service? Uh, well, you're very kind for not admitting that. But Acts chapter 2 in your Bibles, uh, we find the resurrection is addressed by the Apostle Peter. Acts chapter 2 is the story of Pentecost. It's when uh, the Jews had gathered for that feast about 50 days uh, after the Passover. And of course, Jesus was offered at the time of the Passover. And then Jesus rose again that Sunday morning. And then Jesus uh, appeared. And then he ascended back up into heaven. And now this feast of Pentecost, these Jews have gathered from all over and they've come to Jerusalem. Now, some of them don't even speak the language anymore. They don't even speak the language of the Jews. And so uh, Peter and the men began to preach and something happened. These people from all over the place, they said, wait a minute, we're hearing these men preach in our own language. It was a miracle. Uh, you talk about for missionaries today, they spend years trying to learn a language. These disciples didn't even have to learn the language. God gave them utterance. God gave them the ability to speak in other languages. And so people were hearing the gospel preached in their own language. These were Jewish people here in Acts chapter 2. And Peter preaches and he uh, references the 
uh, prophecy of Joel in verse number 16 when they said these men are drunken and they didn't understand it. And Peter said, oh no, the Holy Spirit of God has been poured out. And he goes through that prophecy. Verse 21, he ends that prophecy in the book of Joel. And he says, and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know, him, Jesus, being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. You talk about some boldness. Peter says, this Jesus, you took him and you killed him. Verse number 24, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. We're coming back to verse 24. Don't, 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 uh, don't lose your place there. For David speaketh concerning him. And by the way, the uh, psalmist David spoke and gave some messianic psalms, some psalms that prophesied of the coming Messiah. David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. That was a statement that David made in the Psalms. And I'm sure at the time people were scratching their heads saying, what are you talking about? Of course your body is going to see corruption. Of course your body is going to decay. But David wasn't talking about himself. He was talking about the Messiah, Jesus Christ, who would come. And although he would die on a cross, his body would not suffer corruption. Verse 28, thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. And Peter says, hey, <laughs> David died and we could go to his grave right now and you see his bones are still there. David wasn't talking about himself when he said that he would not see corruption. Therefore, verse 30, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. Uh, that is the Davidic covenant. That was the covenant that God made to David that from his seed, there would be a Christ. There would be a savior that would sit on the throne of David. And in, indeed, Jesus fulfilled that prophecy he, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we all are witnesses. As Peter is speaking to those people there, he's saying, hey, we all know it. We saw Jesus. We saw him crucified. Uh, we saw him placed in that tomb. Uh, we saw him after he was risen. He came. He spoke to us. Uh, we saw him. We are witnesses. Verse 33. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted 
And having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this which ye now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he uh, saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. I want to preach for a few moments this evening about the resurrection from the account that Peter gives in Acts 2. This, we would say, is really the, the first message that was preached after that upper room experience at Pentecost. And Peter preaches and Peter emphasizes some important points about the resurrection of Christ. Lord, help us, I pray, in these few moments. Speak to us. May we be encouraged. May we be helped. And may we be blessed tonight. And I pray that we would see these scriptures maybe like we've never seen them before. And I pray that the truth of this scripture would come alive in our hearts and lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Don't you love the resurrection story? It's amazing to me how that you, you see the resurrection referenced all throughout the pages of Scripture, and it just seems like it never gets old. I was reading uh, this past week, I was reading a story of a love letter. A love letter that was sent from a soldier in California to his wife who was in Virginia. This soldier was stationed in California and he sent this love letter to his wife in Virginia, and he sent the letter in January of 1955. And that letter was received by his wife in March of 2001. You say, I knew that post office was slow. No, 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 it wasn't their fault. Okay, hang on. This man, James Bracey, had been stationed at Fort Ord in Monterey, California. That base shut down, I think it was 1994 or 1997. That base was shut down. Those buildings were left there for, for years after. But in 2001, there was a construction crew that was working on a building. And in between a wall and some paneling, they found four letters that had been dropped there but had never been delivered. The construction worker said the first thing that caught his eye was the fact that those letters had three-cent stamps on them. That's been a while, right? Three-cent stamps. But then as they began to look, they, they wondered if it were possible that those letters could still be delivered. So the postmaster in Monterey, California, sent the letter to the postmaster in Norfolk, Virginia. And sure enough, they found that James Bracey and his wife resided still in Virginia in 2001. It was in March of 2001 that James's wife, Sally, received the four-page love letter that her husband had written 46 years earlier. Here's the amazing thing. They had just celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary. And Sally said when she received that letter, she said she was so thankful to read about the love that her husband had for her 46 years earlier. She was also so thankful to know that 46 years later, he still loved her. 
And friend, I want to tell you, when I read the story of the resurrection, I feel like it's a love letter from God. Really, that's what the whole Bible is. It's a love letter that God has sent. And in some cases, it's not been delivered. There's a lot of people that still have not heard the good news. There are still a lot of people that have not heard the message. That's why we pass out tracts. That's why we pass out Bibles. That's why we send out missionaries. That's why we have a radio station. That's why we're online. Because we want the world to get the message delivered. We are the postal workers. We are the postmasters just trying to get the good news delivered. And although in some cases the message has not yet been delivered, I'm glad that the message is still the same. I'm glad that God loves us. I'm glad that Jesus died for us. I'm glad that Jesus rose again. And I'm glad that God can save anybody that will call upon him. We have a message from God. And that message is still precious. And it is powerful today. As I read Acts chapter 2 and I read this account of the resurrection that Peter preached so powerfully to those Jews at Pentecost, I came across verse number 24. And there was a phrase that jumped out at me. The first phrase that jumped out was the first part where it says, whom God hath raised up. I began to see all the places in the Bible where it talks about the fact that God raised up Jesus. Aren't you glad that God is in the raising business? Aren't you glad that he has the power to raise from the dead? He has the power over death. But then I read on in verse 24, and it says, Having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. I'd like to give you a few thoughts quickly about three things that are not possible. Number one, I see in this passage, it was not possible for Jesus to stay dead. It wasn't possible. So verse 24 says, it was not possible that he, that Jesus should be held by death. You say, how is that not possible? Well, What is it that causes death? The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. The Bible says that it is sin, Romans 5, 12, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Well, what do we know about our Savior? What do we know about Jesus? He never sinned. He was holy. He was spotless. He was a lamb without blemish. Even when he was brought before that trial, Pilate said, I find no fault in him. This man is not worthy to die. And Jesus Christ, it was impossible for him to stay dead. You see, he is the resurrection and the life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. That's what made Calvary so amazing. It wasn't so amazing that Jesus would live because Jesus is life. What's so amazing about Calvary is that Jesus died. You say, why did he die? Because if Jesus had not died, we'd never know that death has been defeated. We never know that death has been conquered. There may always be that question, what if? Well, I got news for you. You don't have to wonder what if, because he's already died. He's already defeated death. He's already conquered the grave. He has already won the victory. That is what makes Calvary so amazing, that he died for us. 
Revelation 1.18, Jesus said, I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. What does that mean? It means he died. It means he's alive. And he says, and I ain't dying anymore. I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and of death. Jesus conquered death and Jesus took the key and Jesus said, I now have authority. I now have power. I now am the one who controls death and hell and the grave. He is alive. Romans 5, 8, the Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Why did he die? Well, he didn't die for his sin. He died to pay the price for us. Because we were sinners. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Romans 8, 34, who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again. Romans 14, 9, for to this end, Christ both died and rose and revived that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. 1 Corinthians 15, 3, that's the passage where we find the gospel account that he was buried, he rose again, uh, he died, he was buried, he rose again. How that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. 1 Corinthians 15, it is there that we see that Jesus Christ took the sting out of death. He took the victory away from the grave and he became the victor. And Jesus declared that death cannot separate us from the love of God. Aren't you glad that it is not possible for Jesus to stay dead? Death could not hold him down. Number two, it is not possible for the pains of death to hold him down. It says in verse number 24 that he loosed the pains of death. That word pains is, is the word cords or, or, or ropes. We saw last week, and I, I wasn't planning to get to Acts 2 tonight, but last week we saw that Psalm 116, that God gives us help through the sorrows of death and through the pains of hell. We saw that last week. And Jesus experienced the pain and Jesus experienced the torture of death. And the Bible says that those chains, those, those, those ropes, they had him bound, but they couldn't hold him. In Bible days and in, in this era, whenever people would talk about the, the, the pains of death or the, the, the cords of death, it often referred to maybe a, a chain or a rope that had a person bound, but that chain or rope was so tight that it was excruciating pain just under the pressure of that uh, chain or under uh, of that uh, shackle. And can I tell you, death is painful. A death is a, 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 a thing of suffering. And Jesus, he suffered death. He suffered on the cross. He went through the pain. He went through the agony. And he was held down. But not for long. Because the chains of death, the pains of death, could not keep him down. As a cord or band would tighten, it would prevent escape and produce severe pain. But Jesus endured these pains. And these pains could not keep him down. The Bible says in John 10, 18, that Jesus had the power to lay down his life, but he also had the power to take it again. 
Hebrews 2.14, through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. Aren't you glad that Jesus died and he got the victory over death and over hell and over the grave and over the devil? Lastly, I'll give you this thought from Acts chapter 2. We get down to verse number 35. And I want you to notice this phrase. This is talking about a a prophecy that David made concerning Jesus. And this is what God, the Father, said to his son Jesus. He said, sit thou on my right hand until I make thy foes thy footstool. Do you see that in verse 35? Would you read verse number 35 with me in Acts 2? It says... Until I make thy foes thy footstool. Number three, I'd like to say that it is not possible for the enemy to triumph. It's not possible. God promised his son, he promised that he would make his enemies his footstool. Now, this is just the way I think. But this is not the right way to think, okay? When I think of a footstool, I think of sitting on a nice comfy chair. And I think of propping my feet up on a footstool and and I'm resting and I'm taking it easy. It's not what this means. This terminology refers to the fact that when soldiers would go to battle, when the battle was won, the ruler, the king, would take his foot and he would place his foot on the neck of the enemy. And that symbolized the fact that victory was won and the enemy was not coming back again because they had been destroyed. And that's exactly what God promised to his son. He said, I will make thy enemies, thy footstool. You will have your foot upon the neck of your enemies and they will never come back. You say, when is that going to happen? Well, it hasn't happened yet. As a matter of fact, at Calvary, at Calvary, Satan thought the roles were reversed. At Calvary, Satan thought that he had won. He thought that he had killed the Son of God. And can you imagine what that must have been like on that Sunday morning? You know, there was rejoicing in heaven, but can you imagine what was going on in the pits of hell on that Sunday morning when they found out that Jesus was not dead? He was alive and he had conquered death. Jesus Christ conquered death in the grave, but Jesus has not conquered Satan for good. He has conquered him. He has defeated Satan. He got kicked out of heaven. Remember that? We saw in the book of Revelation. We saw that a few weeks ago. But Jesus has not completely annihilated Satan yet, but he's going to. Take your Bibles, please, and turn with me to Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. The Bible says in this passage, it says that there is coming a day that Jesus Christ will once and for all, verse number 10, he will take the devil that deceived them and he will cast him into the lake of fire and brimstone 
where the beast and the false prophet are, and they shall be tormented day and night for how long? Forever and ever. The day is coming that the enemies of Jesus will be destroyed once and for all. Turn with me back a few books to the book of Philippians. It's right after Ephesians in your Bibles, uh, 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 Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Look at Philippians chapter 2. The Bible says in verse number 6 that Jesus Christ was in the form of God and he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Verse 7, but he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. That is, when, when Jesus came and, and uh, Jesus came to this earth and he took on the robe of flesh, and verse 8, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That's what we've just been talking about this weekend. The cross. He died on the cross. But verse 9 says this, Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Don't worry. No matter how bad it gets, no matter how difficult it seems, no matter how much it seems like evil is triumphing in this world, don't ever forget that it is not possible for the enemy to have the final triumph because that, my friend, belongs to Jesus. He is the King of kings and he is the Lord of lords. The victory is won. And we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. How do we know all of this? Well, Acts chapter 2 tells us that God raised him from the dead. And it was not possible that he should be holden, that he should be held down by death and by the chains of death. I'm glad we serve a risen Savior. Now, I want to tell you this. Don't ever, don't ever forget that Jesus Christ, through him and by him, all things are possible with God. But it's not possible for Satan to hold Jesus down. Death couldn't hold him. The chains couldn't hold him. And the enemies of Jesus Christ could not triumph over him because he is Jesus Christ, the King and Lord. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.